Acacia. So my story takes place in about third grade for me. Uh, I lived in the community of Somerset here in Bellevue at the time of the story. It was a project that we were given for the class. It was to make a timeline. So we had to have six or seven pictures of ourselves and put little descriptions of the pictures underneath there. So I gathered all of my pictures, knew what I wanted to talk about, put them on the poster board and rewrote the description several times because the sizes weren't just right or any of that stuff. And when I got done, I just didn't love it, but I completed the assignment. So I went to my dad and I just said, so here's what I've got. And he just kind of looked at me and he looked at the poster board and he looked at me again and he's like, well, do you feel like it's your best? And I was like, no, not really. I can't quite get the pictures to work. I couldn't quite get this straight. And he's like, well, if you could do your best, what would that be? And started talking about all these different things. And he's like, okay, great, let's go do that. And so we did. And he helped me to get it just the way that I wanted it to look. So it looked my best. And I had these little frames around my pictures. I had little note cards with all the words written on there. So everything looked really crisp and neat. And I learned that I work iteratively. So I have great ideas, but I just have to keep working at them until I feel like it's my best and then I get them out and then I'm always looking for feedback. So I take it whether it's good, bad, or otherwise and I either learn from that or incorporate that and um, I just find that that's the best way that I work with myself and work with people. Mm -hmm. And then also that how I feel shows on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> so people are reading that. Yeah. Well, and one thing too that jumps to mind is just this idea of writing a story and, you know, using that as a metaphor that, and it's fine to rewrite the story and keep rewriting oh. it. You know, even now, like use this as a point of what's, how can we transform ourselves oh. and rewrite our story to become the, that best iteration and I love that just self-awareness of uh, allowing yourself to go to the process that's most natural for you great okay like Rita hit, hit refresh, that's yeah like, hit refresh exactly okay Rita So the second grade award ceremony is when I realized I had a winner's attitude. Mm. But I have to take you back to the beginning. You see, the second grade is the year my life got reorged. Mm. I remember my dad taking me to school for the first time before he went to jail. I remember changing schools from my Catholic school in the middle of the hood, surrounded by nothing but concrete, going to this wonderful gifted program in suburban public schools, surrounded by trees, lots of places to play. New and learning environment, new teachers, new classrooms, new friends. Um, I had to go to after school care because my mother had to work more hours at work in order to support me, which means I spent a lot of time alone at the cafeteria table doing my homework because no one was home to check it. So it had to be right. <laughs> so fast forward to the second grade um, culminating ceremony and I actually arrived five minutes before it ended because I had to get stitches in this finger. <laughs> and Dr. Batiste calls me to the front. He says, Rita, Rita's here. I'm like, what, what's going on? He then proceeds to hand me a stack and he tells me what they're for. English, science, math, reading. Apparently I'd won every academic award for the second grade and wow. I had no idea that I was even nominated. So what I took away from that experience is I have the ability to become comfortable in unfamiliar settings and scenarios. I have the ability to self-motivate myself to do my best work and no matter what the circumstances are, I have the ability to win. Mm. You know what? You taught us, don't believe everything you think. She didn't even know she's a winner. She had all these things and like she maybe had this own drama in her own head. 
or expectations. And uh, again, this is an example of that perception, like maybe our self-perception is not calibrated with what the truth is and what other people think as well. Beautiful. Okay, who's up next? Okay. All right, this is the first story that popped into my mind when Nikki introduced the project to us. I couldn't get around telling it. I don't know why it sticks out to me, but it does. I was uh, around 11 years old. I grew up in an alcoholic family. All my relatives, my mom, my dad, alcohol. Um, so really personal, but anyway, I specifically remember this one incident, getting into my stepdad's pickup truck, his F-150 pickup truck. And I just remember the emotions tied to this event when I just found my voice and I spoke up and I challenged him um, about his behavior and the drinking and how it was affecting my mom and that sort of thing and how I just basically didn't like it and I thought it was dumb and all this stuff and I remember kind of crying as I'm expressing myself because I'm young. Um, so what I found is, you know, moving forward in life is number one, I care a lot about people and number two, I, I'm bold um, but I'm also sensitive. I'm not bold where I'm just going to say stupid things but I'm not afraid to speak up or speak my mind or or challenge people, particularly when it comes to people, you know, people that I care about, and I care about people that I work with. Um, it's come out in my life because I've been a basketball coach for years and years and years, um, you know, through ministry to people and and different things in my life. Um, uh, it, that that kind of uh, those tendencies have come out. So, yeah. I'm Jimmy. I'm bold and I'm caring. Yeah, and you know what that combination is? Is a wholehearted leader. It's the, I love how you say, you know what, it's both. It's that being able to be sensitive and, um, and combine them. And also, I would just add, um, I cry, not because I'm young, but because I care really deeply. So I think partly, too, is, and sometimes that comes up, we're going to feel emotion. It's part of being alive and being human and also... So it's okay. So whatever, if your voice cracks, if you feel deeply, there might be a moment in this our time together, and that is totally fine. Um, I just think of that as the bigger aim is being a wholehearted leader, and sometimes that's channeling emotion in a really relatable, awesome, positive way. Thank you. All right, Julie. Yeah. Okay, hi, I am Julie. Um, story from my childhood that I would like to talk to you about today that kind of describes who I am. Um, second, it was, I was in second grade, Spokane, Washington, a uh, long time ago. <laughs> there were no cell phones or um, I think there was only four channels that we could watch on TV at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and there were no organized sports for girls. And I was a really big tomboy. So um, this was um, kind of a story that relates to that. Um, I went over to my friend's house after school to see if, if he could play. And his mom told me that he was at soccer practice. I was like, what? Soccer practice? What is that? You know, uh, I played soccer with the boys at school. And so I get on my bike and I go home and I'm like, mom, I need to be on the soccer team. And she was like, um, well, that's a boys soccer team. You know, um, I don't know if that's a good idea. So I, I had to really, really keep asking and asking and kind of changed her mind and let her know it was okay that I could do it I, I could be on the soccer team so finally she got me signed up and yes I was the only girl on the team yeah but 
I did it and it worked out. And I think maybe two years later, there was a league for girls after that. It, it was you know, shortly after. Yeah. And um, I guess it kind of, one of the strengths that I have that it, it shows is that I'm willing to um, challenge the status quo even, or when I think there's a better way to do something. Yeah. So it relates to my work today. I, I think I am like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I think especially in this idea of like, we stand on your shoulders, you know, whatever women's leagues and everything else and and realizing sometimes rules are made to be broken. And you know, that's a great interview question because sometimes people say, when are rules made, you know, when is it okay to break rules? This might be a great one that shows what your character is. And also, you know, as we are focusing on diversity and inclusion and, um, creating opportunities and not having labels, uh, think that is your, bravery serves other people as well. Thank you. Okay. Balaji. Hello, everyone. Uh, my story is based on diversity, and so I'm not going to talk about a particular moment in my life. It's more about a set of people uh, across time. Mm. So going back to uh, my childhood back in India, I did my schooling. Uh, schooling in India uh, focuses a lot on a prescriptive, uh, theoretical-based education versus what we are used to here. The culture also, to set some context, the culture also focuses more on uh, a prescribed path to success, education, uh, career, and so on. So put into this mix a group of uh, uh, friends uh, who all had the same restrictions, have had the same prescriptive uh, sort of education. But then fast forward so many years later, each of us has achieved success in our own way. Uh, everyone has become something different, but they have achieved success in their own way. But what has made us, all of us different, is the set of experiences, uh, whether it be diversity of uh, experiences, or people say, let's say, who have traveled more, uh, have had a well-rounded experience, and they are more well-rounded people today. And that defines who we are today. Uh, it is, we are still great friends, we meet together, we have fun, but then even through a particular situation, how we act, how we react, is so different, even mm-hmm. though we come back from the same culture, you know, same set of, uh, you know, the cauldron, the pot, where we grew up with was the same, mm-hmm. yet it, uh, we are so different today. So take this even forward. If, even though among the same subset of people, if we can be so different and we can still be, you know, great and achieve success in our own way, apply this to, you know, much bigger audience. Yeah. Uh, Diversity is truly great, whether it be of travel, whether it be of culture, whether it be of you know thoughts, how we react. So I'm Balaji, I value diversity. Yeah, and Balaji, you know what, one thing too, just that idea of its own way, I'll, I'll probably show you, I've got a, an image, but it's a quote from Einstein saying, everybody's a genius in their own way. You know, if we, you know, and it's like this idea that talent comes in all packages. And if we just look for it and, you know, the other, and there's more than one way to get to success or intelligence or whatnot. And I think if we can have that same approach, we'll be more understanding with our colleagues, with our stakeholders, maybe people in different roles than us. Um, So you're helping to teach us how to be more accepting. Thank you. All right, Elizabeth. So my story is about dreaming big and, um, not being afraid to take alternative route to get to your dreams. Um, so I grew up in Poland in a very small town. I'm from a relatively poor, poor family. At age about 13 or 14, I read an article about Microsoft. 
Um, and I remember making a comment, how cool would it be to work for this company? And of course, at that time, friends, family were like, yeah, come on, get back to reality, correct? Um, couple years forward, I was in high school, I was a nerd, um, so I was actually accepted to one of the best universities in Poland. And similar to like how it's done in India, how it's in Eastern Europe, it's extremely hard to get to like one of the best universities, correct? You have to finish high school, good grades, you have to pass high school exam, then you basically have a permission to even apply to that university. I was accepted without high school exam, without um, the, uh, without a exam for university just based on the grades and how I was representing my school. That seemed to be the easiest way, correct? Like to my dream to work in Microsoft. Um, it was a winter break before high school was over. I read an article about being an au pair. And I said, hey, why? I told my parents, why don't I come to you as being an au pair and I improve my English? Because if I want to work for Microsoft or any other international company, I have to know English. Of course, there was a big fight in my family <laughs> because I would be the first one to be in a university in my family, so my parents' dream was for me to continue. No, I came here as an au pair. Hopefully, I improved my English. A year later, I told my parents, said, hey, I, well, first of all, I actually didn't know Microsoft was in Edmond, and I came as an au pair to family in Edmonds. So when I found Microsoft was right here, I was like, well, I'm close, correct? So I told my parents after a year, they're like, okay, come back, continue, go to university. I said, hey, you know what? No, I'm gonna stay. They're like, well, we can't help you. What are you gonna do? I said, well, I'm gonna go to university here. Well, how are you gonna support yourself? You know what? I'm gonna find a way. I'm gonna clean houses, whatever gets me to, to get to Microsoft. So from the time I came to US, four and a half years later, I was hired at Microsoft. Wow. So that just tells the story, big dream, uh, dream big, and again, don't be afraid to take an alternative way, correct? Sometimes it's a harder way, yes. but try it. Yeah, and <laughs> Elizabeth's taught us to read an article, Ooh. right? Both of those <laughs> stories are like, you read an article about Microsoft, you read an article, learned about au pair. Reading changes us and helps us to see what else is out there as well. And even as you're telling a story of becoming something bigger than you think, then you serve as that same um, idea for us of like, why not? Why not do the, be the first in the family to do something? Terrific. And I would just yeah. add on to say that sometimes we take things for granted. We yeah. just think that we are working in Microsoft, okay, no big yeah. deal. But it is such a big deal yeah. for a person like you. I mean, yeah. just getting goosebumps just hearing your story. Absolutely. Or, or another lesson that I think is resonating with your story is not only dream big, but sometimes you may have to take a step back. So you're at the top of your class getting ready to go to a university, and you took a job that's an au pair that may be looked at as less, but it's not less. That mm -hmm. step back to do something different yeah. gets you faster. Absolutely. Um, awesome. When we're committed to the result, not necessarily the path. The path or the plan yeah. might change. So if you, that's it's here, it's okay. There's more than yeah. one way to get there. Maybe yeah. it's different than the traditional university. There's more than one ways. Is you're brave because you just say yes and you're whatever's unfolding in front of you. Okay, yeah. Jose. Hi, I'm Jose. Um, this isn't the first time I've been asked to tell a story from my childhood. Yeah. And it's always difficult. Because um, I can't really ever come up with one moment that defines me. Not that stuff didn't happen. My father was an airman, uh, not a pilot, but a non commissioned officer. So we moved around quite a bit from like zero to 12. And then in 12, he uh, made the decision to retire from the Air Force. And we moved to a small town, small farm town in North Dakota. Um, 
And, you know, zero to 12 years old, I was used to people coming in in my life and out of my life, friends who were moving all the time because everybody else was mm -hmm. also Ladder. moving. And, um, <laughs> and um, so anyway, so stuff that stuff didn't happen, but when I hear stories that you've all been telling, there's a lot of stories of people you know, facing big obstacles and dealing with a lot of adversity and triumphing over that adversity. And my life has been maybe somewhat different in that it's a lot more smaller types of events happening that kind of culminate into um, who I am today, for better or for worse. And one thing that, you know, when I did this looking back when I did therapy years ago, um, was that um, I realized that it isn't, for me, it wasn't necessarily one big moment, one series of moments that happened, and to keep that in my mind as I go through my life, that, you know, some obstacles or challenges or opportunities may present themselves. Yeah. And to not just think, oh, they're not big, but to make sure that I understand the importance of them. Sorry, I went over. No, you're good. You know what? When, and we're going to talk more next week when we're talking about managing worry and stress. You're modeling for us this idea of framing. You know, yes, if there's a success, but that's not the only one there is. But if there's a setback, that's not the only one there is as well. So you're t teaching us about putting things in perspective and what is that whole picture that it creates. And that takes a lot of pressure out of um, if there is a challenge or there is a difficulty realizing that, you know, kind of like the averages can over time help to define us. Thank you. Okay, last group. Yeah, hi, everyone. So my story, uh, like yours, takes place in Lima. This was when I was about, Lima, Peru, when I was about five or six years old. Um, I have one older brother, he's three years older than me, so he would always use me as his toy, like we would play and he would tease me all the time. So um, one day we were playing and he did something and I was, we were only in the house with uh, our grandparents because our parents were working. So he did something and I was about to yell for my parents, for my grandparents, and he covered my mouth really like suddenly and I had a, a loose tooth at that time. So when he uncovered it after I was like quiet, he, he told me, oh, you, there's blood there. And I was like, oh, no, you're kidding. And then, no, for real, there's, there's blood. Go look at the mirror. And I went, and it was like five or six. So at that time, I, I saw blood, and I would freak out. So I did, and I started screaming, and I thought it was the worst thing. And it just, I just needed to see the blood so, to, for everything to, to go south. So I started screaming. My, my grandparents came. They were trying to help me to finally completely remove the tooth, and they couldn't. And for me, it was the worst thing. And at that time, I I, rem I clearly remember even feeling like I want to die. Like it was the worst thing. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like for me at that time, I was scared. I was, I, um, it was bad. So I remember they had to call my uncle from I don't know where, but it took like about an hour probably for him to to get to my house. But for me, it felt like forever. So. Yeah. Uh, after that, he, he finally removed the tooth, and, and then I was okay. So what that taught me is that um, really, for as overwhelming as, as anything may seem at times, it's really not that bad, everything has a solution, and it's just a matter of perspective of like, like taking a moment to, to see that, okay, what needs to be done, it, it's, it's not the end of the world, and, yeah. and, 
and that's how I am today and I try to apply that every time that I'm facing challenges at work and I'm about to freak out I just take a step back and try to, to not stress too much about yeah. it Absolutely. And knowing that you're capable of managing that. And the other thing too is, I love how you said like you, you wanted to die at the moment. Like in that moment, we can feel something so deeply that now you look back and you're like, it's a tooth, right? But, and also to acknowledge the human emotion that goes along with, you know, the feelings are real, but if we can also go, okay, this too shall pass and there's always a solution and ask for help. I think that's a big thing too, is sometimes somebody gets us through our difficulty as well. Great yeah. mindset training, yeah. What doesn't yeah. kill you makes you stronger. That's it. All right, Yan. Um, I'm Yan. I think I'm very Yan style. Buddhism style. Uh, and my story, the conclusion is a bit uh, same as Yeah, because um, when I was 10 years old, our school had a fire, and then we we are in the fifth floor. Mm-hmm. We are in the fifth floor, and then uh, we got the alarm saying it's fire and then we, we are, our classroom is close to one stair. We went down there but it's not working because somehow there is stuff in the second floor so we need to run back. <laughs> you know, it's, they say we need to get out in 10 minutes and we already spent 10 minutes in the one stair we need to go back and everybody's panic and uh, very uh, scared. And then there's one moment the teacher say we will go through it. And then everybody's uh, slightly calm down and then we go to another stair and then we go and we are all, everybody safe. And looking back, the fire is not really big. It's really a, a just like, because there's fire, the, the, uh, the school need to evacuate everyone, everyone out of the building. Mm. So looking back, uh, some situation is dangerous or it's urgent, uh, but sometimes you just need to stay calm. You have light heart, strong mind, you will go through it, you go through it. Oh. So and say that quote again, if you have a what? Light heart, strong mind. Yeah. You will go through it. Moving forward, I, I was DBA uh, database administrator before. And I was uh, 24 years old, and I managed a database in a, a China stock exchange, you know. So we have a database issue in the daytime. Every one minute, we lost 100 million, and we need to fix it. Um, so the whole team is panicked. And then we, you, I used this situation when I was in ten. I was ten years old. I say we need to come down, look at the code one line by one, yeah. and then we figure out the issue goes through. Terrific, wow. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, you are calm and it's contagious just even as you're talking being able to you know help us to picture that some things are worse sometimes the alarm and the evacuation is worse than the fire like even just how descriptive you are in telling the stories helps us to so you're a strong leader because you're able to make us stay calm as well yeah okay young I grew up um, in an area that has super long and cold winter. So throughout my childhood, um, we had to, all the kids had to do uh, two-hour outdoor skating lessons every week uh, for all the winter months. Uh, the first time I did it, I was about seven years old, and um, the PE teacher put these super long uh, speed skates on us, uh, I w- and he warned us, these are like knives. So you do not ever want to point them up because other people may fall and kill themselves. And I was so scared, <laughs> I remember, and I couldn't stand up. I was just so miserable and cold. 
So I just decided, okay, I'm just gonna sit on the ice until this is over. I was about to frozen into a popsicle until <laughs> uh, some friends, they already know how to ice skates and they came over, uh, one on each side, held my hands, uh, just took me around the rink in over laps and laps over until I was able to keep my balance and started some moving around by myself. Um, I remember to this day that how warm I felt with their hands holding me and their hearts felt like they can melt the ice away. Uh -huh. uh, and um, I think I learned that we always want to uh, give a helping hand to people who are in need. And I learned to enjoy the great outdoors with great friends. Huh. Mm -hmm. And what a great storyteller. Just that theme of like, I was about to freeze into a popsicle. You know, you can just imagine we probably all have been little kids and feel cold like that. Just the descriptive language and then also the contrast of their warm hands and feeling mm -hmm. that, you know, just it helps us to want to ask for help. Maybe these days it's in the form of a mentor or coach or um, a, a leader. So thank you for just urging us to get help from other people that maybe it feels a little awkward, but it's better than sitting there struggling on our own. Great, all right, Marissa. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting over sickness. Um, so my story is from when I was in the third grade. My parents made the decision that I need to learn a sport. And this doesn't seem like a big deal to most, but it was just the craziest idea to me. I was the uber girly girl, I was pink and purple, I did ballet, I liked tutus. I did not watch sports, I didn't play sports. Like anytime during gym a ball was thrown towards me, I would like close my eyes because I was just so scared of just anything with that hand-eye coordination. So they're like, you're playing basketball. And I was dreading it. Like every practice before we go, dreading it. And it took, you know, all the practices and then maybe the first like one or two games before I like started to enjoy myself. And I was really surprised. And it had nothing actually to do with basketball and more that I really liked being part of the team. I really liked, you know, hanging out with these girls, you know, before practice. I liked, you know, winning together, losing together. I liked, you know, we'd go to Dairy Queen after the games and celebrate. And it was like that whole camaraderie that we were building was really special to me. And so I actually stayed on a basketball team for three years, even though I didn't like basketball, um, just because I really liked my team. Um, and so what that taught me was that sometimes you just need to have an open mind before you try things, because you don't realize you know, the hidden benefits that you didn't anticipate beforehand. And it also taught me that I really enjoy working on a team. Oh, I love this, because camaraderie is such a huge piece of our program and our time together. Um, the other thing too, and this is when, like, uh, I'm on a mission, especially, but for, um, I have a lot of grads who listen to this with their kids and teens, and just thinking about this concept of youth sports is so awesome, and for anyone who's listening and their parents are making them do a sport, thank you, because you're helping them to realize it's not about the basketball, like that idea of camaraderie is something that pays off and it's not about the hand-eye coordination but it's about you becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable and and realizing and just the idea that things aren't as bad as we think they are that is a mental construct that serves us the rest of our lives beautiful thank you okay ciao um like 
Jose was saying earlier, I didn't have a whole lot of like profounding moments that I could come up with. But then I do believe that a lot of the experiences you had growing up does build character and make you who you are today. Um, and then one uh, memory came floating back at me um, was when I was in first grade and we were, it was around springtime and we were painting eggs. Um, and so I really liked pink at the time and I really liked art. So I really enjoyed putting together this egg and um, the teacher had provided all these different jewels to put on it. It was a lot of fun and the teacher had wanted to display all the eggs for a spring fair. So all the students had to put these eggs on this like little tree um, and uh, so it went off on display and then a couple weeks later when we were supposed to get our eggs back, um, my last name is Vo, so um, I actually sat in the back and I was also the last to come up to find my egg. My egg wasn't there. So I was going, oh, there's only a blue egg left, that's not mine. And then so the teacher told me to go around and look for my egg and then sure enough, someone had taken mine. Her name was Kelly, just the first name. Um, and if you're she, listening, Kelly. Just kidding. And she said, and then I told her, that's my egg. Um, oh, it's okay. What? It's okay. And, okay. and so she, she's like, no, it's mine. And then I just remembered feeling there was some unjust, like mm. that was just building up in my heart. But I wasn't sure what to do about it. I was shy and timid. But during recess, I confronted her. I, I tapped on her shoulder. As like probably head shorter than her and I told her that was my egg you know it's my egg you know you didn't paint that and then she says no it's mine and then um, later the teacher actually did call her mom and asked her what color her egg was and when she said it was blue um, I did get my pink egg back um, a lot of the jewels were actually removed by the time I got my hands back on it but I felt very vindicated like okay you know it's like of course it was mine let's go and get mine back but more so, I was proud of me actually recognizing there was unjust and actually approaching her during recess. Like all of that was actually probably more profound than the pink egg in itself. But yeah. it was just a lesson to me to say, you know, you know what's right, speak up, you could stand up for yourself. And even if, you know, I had to eventually back up. I didn't want to get beat up or anything, but you know, it's, it's, it was a, it was something I did for myself. Yeah. And to this day, I'm proud of that. Oh, you know what I love last week, a bunch of people talked about their goals of having exec presence and speak up to senior leaders. And boy, here we hear a story right from the beginning. You know, if you can, if we all can anchor a success that we had another time speaking up, and then applying it now, then it like gives us that I, like new definition of what we are to say, I'm someone who can speak up. I'm someone who corrects injustice. That fuels us through the uncomfort of doing that. So just even having that mental picture in your head and she's being taller and all that just reminds you of the who you are and, and reminds us all what we're capable of as well. All right, Sonica. Like I'm the last person here. Yeah. So it was so nice to hear all the beautiful childhood stories from everybody. So thank you, Nikki, for making us remember our childhood. Yeah. It was good to revisit back what it was. So life is like a roller coaster, right? We have no time for us to take, sit back and have time for yourself. So when I'm thinking about this this morning, I was like having a cup of tea. What struck me most was like going back when I was in middle school. 
I and my sister, we both were in middle school and we were having a unit testing going on. And this was like, I was in Delhi, and Delhi, and it was summer, right? So what two things are common in Delhi? It's like summer and power outages. And we had that combination that day. On top of it, unit testing. So we both had unit testing and like, there was no, I don't recall, like we didn't have a candle or it was out or what, but somehow there was no light, right? We couldn't prepare. I was okay, my, daughter, my, my sister, she started crying, like, okay, what can we do? So I said, okay. I somehow had a flashlight in my backpack and we took out and what happened? That didn't work either, right? Mm -hmm. So being a middle schooler, what we did, like, okay, what can we do? And she's crying and crying and crying and we can't help her. So I said, okay, I just took that flashlight apart. I had bulb in one hand, battery in the other hand, and I had a hairpin. I just connected them down and we had light. It was wow. like enough light for her to study for a diagram. It was like a ear diagram and we were able to figure it out, do this, right? That's okay. I had a test also, but that's okay. It was more like pass and fail but I was able to help her. The next day, she gave her test, and in the lunch, when she came to me, she hugged me. I got a gold star! That was such a nice feeling, mm -hmm. and she asked me, she was like, really? And that was smile, otherwise we are fighting, and we are punching on top of each other, but that was the day. I loved that moment. Mm -hmm. So now moving forward right here, now here, I'm a mom, I have a high schooler, and I have a middle schooler. And you know how it's like ups and downs, we have showers of emotions, different mood swings flowing on, right? So mm -hmm. how can we handle that? Figuring it out, take a step back, take a deep breath, that's what I do. And it's like, be a fighter, not one with a boxing glove. So yeah. remember that, be a fighter, not a quitter. That's yeah. what keeps me going, keeps me stronger. And just take a step back, you can do it, you can figure out baby steps, we can make it happen. Yeah. So that was how I could relate, like that time as a middle schooler, I didn't yeah. know like what it meant, but now I appreciate it. So thank you yeah. for going back and making us yeah. revisit. And it's nice to have some time for yourself. You know, when what jumps out is how you focused on that moment you loved that woman, your sister, you know, that sure, there's all that fighting and everything else. That's part of having a sibling. And there's those moments. And like we can choose to reflect on the moments where our siblings irritate us, or our coworkers, or we can choose to think about those moments where our siblings or coworkers um, have come through for us or we feel close to them. And it's just choosing like, what are we putting our attention on? So awesome, thank you.